0: This morning is in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, and uh, I'm going to read just a couple of select verses earlier in the chapter, and then our text begins in verse 29, Uh, but uh, before that, um, in verse 8 of chapter 34, talking about King Josiah. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah and Maaseiah the governor of the city and Joah the son of Joahaz the recorder to repair the house of the Lord his God. And then down in verse 14, While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord, giving through Moses. And then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king, All that was committed to your servants they are doing, they have emptied out the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, Iakim, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Aziah the the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. And then down in verse 29, Our text this morning, Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. All his days, they did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. And then if you will turn with me in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. Uh, We have a parallel account here, verse 1. Then the king sent. And all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord. And with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all His heart and all His soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people joined in the covenant. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, we ask now that you would come by your Holy Spirit and that you would take this, the very word of your mouth, these portions of Holy Scripture that we have read, that you gave through the men of old thousands of years ago. And this is your word. It stands forever. And Lord God, we come and as your little children present ourselves you this day and we beg that the revival that you granted that you gave that you graced your people with in the days of King Josiah that Lord you would do that in our hearts that you would come by your blessed spirit and do the mighty work in our hearts that we would see and hear your voice and see your glory and you would give us a heart that repents of our sin and hearts that embrace you Lord Jesus and that we would experience the renewal of the covenant even in our day oh hear our cry and bless us now in Jesus we pray Amen. Well, um, King Josiah repented. And we looked at that last Lord's Day. We uh, looked at what Scripture says repentance is. That it is a grace that God gives to us. And it is part of the message of the gospel. Both not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. If you'll turn with me. To the gospel of Mark. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 1. And this was one of the passages we did not have time to look at last Lord's Day. But I want you to see that in the New Testament, in this summary statement of the public ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, repentance is part of the gospel. The call For people to repent is part of the gospel according to Holy Scripture. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel and so this uh, summary statement of our Lord Jesus we see that Josiah King Josiah in the Old Testament repenting that's not something unique to the Old Testament economy and in our day and time sadly tragically there are vast segments of the so-called church in our day and time that think and have treated repentance as something that you don't want to have anything to do with but we see repentance is part of the gospel the message of salvation and life and hope is God calling us to turn from our sin to hate it forsake it because it's against God turning to Jesus that we might find relief and forgiveness and life and hope in His saving work, forgiving us and cleansing us from sin. A Christian is somebody who is saved from sin. Not only are we forgiven the second we believe in Jesus, but He begins that process Of taking us by the hand and saying, come on now, you belong to me. We're going to have fun learning to live for the glory of God. That's what our Lord Jesus says to us. And that's what a child of God experiences. Well, in our passage of scripture that we looked at, we saw King Josiah repenting. He tore his clothes. He humbled himself before God. He had a tender heart before God. And you remember the prophetess that uh, he had sent to inquire of the Lord. She sends word back from the Lord that yes, indeed, because your heart was tender before God. I am going to destroy Jerusalem, but I'm going to spare you and the people who repent in your day. Well, then what happened? And that's where we pick it up today in verse 29. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people, both great and small. In other words, he gathered the people together. He gathered the representatives of the people of God, the elders. He gathered the priests. He gathered the Levites. All of the people, not just the leaders. They were there, but all of the people were gathered together. And the first thing he did was, he says, I want you to hear what I've heard. I want you to hear God's very word. And he read the words of the book of the covenant. And you see that in verse 30. The last part of verse 30. He gathered all the people, both great and small, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. At the very least, it was the book of Deuteronomy, but probably it was even more than just the book of Deuteronomy. We do not know the particulars of what portions of the book of the law of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy had been lost. But those scrolls, when they were refurbishing the temple, um, the workmen blew the dust off these old scrolls down in the basement that were stuck between these humongous, massive stones. And that was how they kept their library books. Uh, they, They would stick these scrolls between these cracks in these humongous stones for safekeeping. And because of the spiritual declension, the darkness that had settled upon the people of God for generations. These scrolls had been forgotten. Imagine portions of Scripture that had just been neglected for generations. And these workmen who are refurbishing the temple now find this. And when they found it, uh, the king's secretary, uh, when he read it, he goes, Whoa! And he ran and took it and gave it to the king and said, King Josiah, you got to hear this. And when he read it, that's when King Josiah tore his robes. That's when he repented. And so in our day and time, we need to not shrink back from the whole of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation ourselves, our families, our church family, this community, this nation, we need to rediscover the Bible. We need the Word of God, the whole of the Word of God. And when it is read, when it is proclaimed faithfully, what will happen? By the grace of God, we beg that God would give us what he did in King Josiah's heart And in the hearts of the people of that day, they repented. They turned from sin to the Christ. And then we see they renewed the covenant. And that's what we see in verse 31. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord. Now, in the English... You are at a great disadvantage. But I have the joy of sharing something with you because in God's kind providence, I know just enough Hebrew to be able to share this exciting thing with you. The word made there is the Hebrew word, the verb kara. And it is a verb in Hebrew Hebrew words, all the verbs, and almost all the nouns are made from three Hebrew consonants. Almost all of them. And this little word is no exception. There are forms of the verbs and endings and prefixes that are attached, but the roots of all of these words for the vast majority of the words in the Hebrew language are these three letters. And karah is a Hebrew word that literally means to cut, C-U-T. Now, why would they translate it make a covenant instead of cutting a covenant? Well, if I was to say to you, he cut a covenant, what would you think? You'd go, well, that doesn't really... Make any sense to me. But if you hear make a covenant, um, that I understand. He's he's entering into this covenant. Well, you ask, well, what is a covenant? I'm glad you asked. Let's make sure that we understand what we're talking about. And the term covenant is a term that sadly has fallen out of use uh, in in our culture almost entirely. Um, The sister congregation that was actually the mother church that started Trinity down at Claypool Hill, the Covenant Presbyterian Church. Uh, My dear brother and friend Pastor Carl Howe has told me that he has had some of the most bizarre variations on the name Of their congregation covenant. Uh, He'll get a phone call. Is this the convenient Presbyterian church? Uh, Is this the convent Presbyterian church? I, I mean very few people in our culture. Even are familiar with the term covenant. Let alone what it means. Now I know you have heard the term covenant. But what is a covenant? And a covenant is a relationship. You can think relationship when you hear the term covenant. It is a relationship that is not just a casual relationship, but it is a relationship that is the most solemn and binding of all relationships that can ever exist. The term covenant is the term that is used to describe the marriage relationship uh, between a husband and a wife. The Bible refers to that as a covenant. You can read about that in Malachi chapter 2 and Proverbs chapter 2 where the Bible uses that term covenant to describe people who sadly forgot their covenant of marriage, and they were unfaithful to each other. Um, God describes the relationship that he has with us in the Lord Jesus by this term covenant. And we'll look at just a couple of examples of that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And here we see in verse 20 in a benediction. Um, this is one of the benedictions that we use from time to time at the end of our worship services. And notice verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen and so here the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem his people is referenced who is the God that is blessing us It is the God who has given his son, who brought him again from the dead. And he's the one, he's the great shepherd of the sheep, and he has done this by the blood of what? The eternal covenant. And here is this reference to even before the world was created, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit entered into this agreement Or this promise or this plan to have this amazing relationship with God's lost sheep that God would redeem in His Son. And it's referred to here as the blood of the eternal covenant. Or you can turn with me over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. And here is another example. Luke chapter 22 in verse 20. And here the Lord Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper that replaced the Passover in the Old Testament. Here we have now the institution of this new feast that is no longer shedding blood because the Lamb has come who's going to lay down his life upon the cross and no more blood needs be shed. Here in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. And so here's your term. And so a covenant was an agreement between two parties. It was a relationship that bound two parties together. And in Scripture, we see that sometimes people make covenants, like a husband and a wife, it's the same term that God uses to describe His relationship with us as His people. We are His covenant people. He is our covenant God. And it makes reference to this relationship that God designed, He thought it up, and God is the one who has revealed His gospel and drawn us unto himself, entering into this relationship of salvation, the covenant of grace. Well, back to our text. So, in a nutshell, that's what a covenant is. Uh, One of my professors in seminary had a helpful, more technical definition And if you want to write this down, you can, but you don't have to. A covenant is a bond of blood sovereignly administered. It's a bond of blood. It's not a casual relationship. It's a relationship that has to do with death or life. That's why it is such a Uh, uh, A profound relationship it's not a casual relationship it's a bond a, a, a relationship of blood that issues forth either in life or death and you see this in the garden of Eden with Adam and Eve God comes and reveals the covenant of works and God tells Adam and Eve if you obey me And don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will what? You'll live. But the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day that you eat of it, you will surely what? Die. And so this covenant we see, and you can read about that covenant being referenced over in the book of Hosea chapter 6. It was the covenant that God made with Adam. You can read about that covenant in Romans chapter 5 verses 12 and following where we have Adam as the covenant head and he acted for everybody on his team. And it was through one man's sin that everybody sinned. And because of Adam's sin, we all die. But praise God, there's another covenant, the covenant of grace. And all of the rest of the Bible is unfolding these covenants of promise, of grace, that in the fullness of time, the Redeemer would come to rescue God's people from being under the sentence of, of death. And this covenant of grace is kind of like a flower growing. You know, uh, when, when you plant a, a, a plant in the springtime, you don't just plant the little seed and then you come back the next day and there's the full-grown plant with the fruit on it. Um, when, when our children were little, one time we planted Uh, Our garden, we had tilled all the dirt up, and I told uh, the little guys, I said, Now, guys, this is going to be amazing. You will watch with your very eyes. And I described what God does with this little seed, that the seed was going to split open and a little shoot would come up out of that seed itself, and the leaves would open up, and it would grow kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk's beanstalk, and it would push up out of the earth. Well, the next morning we got up, and one of our little guys was missing. I mean, we looked all over the house for him, and I was going, oh, where'd he go? And then I looked outside, and there he was. And you know how little kids can squat? I mean, I don't see how they do it, but, you know, they can just kind of squat down. And there he was out in the garden, just squatted down, just staring at the, the, the row where we had planted these beans. He, he didn't want to miss it. He was excited. Well, you can, you have to wait a little while. And God's people had to wait a little while to see the seed of redemption sprout and come up and grow and the leaves form and then the fruit and finally. And so we could take time to go through the scriptures and see how the seed was revealed there in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. That in the fullness of time the seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head. There's the seed of the gospel. There's hope in this fallen, messed up world. And the hope's going to be our Redeemer is going to come. And in Noah's day, the covenant opens up a little bit more. And then Abraham a little bit more. And then David a little bit more reveals and opens up. And the prophets a little bit more. Uh, And then finally, in the fullness of time, the flower appears, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and read about the covenants, plural, of promise. And that's what it's making reference to. So, you understand now, a little bit, just fly over 40,000 feet, looking down on the countryside, covenant. But notice back to our text now in 2 Chronicles 34. They made a covenant. They cut a covenant. And we're going to basically stop there. uh, But we're going to end, I want you to look in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. This word, to cut a covenant, In the Old Testament time, when people would make a covenant, they would take animals and cut them in two. And the parties of the covenant would walk between the parts of these animals. And they would enter into covenant. They would enter into this agreement by doing so. And they would say... So be it done to me as has been done to this animal if I break my promises in making this covenant. Uh, My professor was right. A bond of blood sovereignly administered. And I want to leave you with this thrilling thought, okay? This truth about the covenant that comes to flower now. I want you to look at verse 10 of Galatians 3. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. And next week, I want to give you an assignment. Okay, we're going to look at this text. We're also going to look at three other texts, and I want you to write them down. And if you have time this week, I want you to read these passages of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 6, Genesis chapter 15, and Jeremiah chapter 34. And we're going to learn the amazing gospel. Almighty God from these texts of Scripture as we learn about Josiah cutting a covenant. What did that mean? And if we really understand this phrase, cut a covenant, it takes us to the very heart of the gospel that God in the fullness of time, he entered into covenant and we have this reference to abraham in genesis 15 god is going to we're going to look at the details of god making covenant cutting a covenant it's the same verb that's used at the end of genesis 15 Uh, years ago I, i teased everybody and i said now Tonight, I'm going to preach on a passage of Scripture that if I'm ever thrown in prison for preaching the gospel and they won't let me have a Bible, but you can come visit me and you think you can smuggle. What, not a Bible. They won't let you give a Bible to me. But you could smuggle one page of Holy Scripture. What one page of the Bible Now, I wouldn't turn any page now. But if I had my pick, which one page of the Bible would I, at this point, like to get more than any other chapter? And so, I got up Sunday evening and I said, turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. That's the page. And that's what we're going to look at next Sunday. And I'm going to explain because when you read it, you're going to go... Huh? Why would you want that chapter? But as we look at this passage about Josiah entering into covenant with God, he did so in light of the promises that God had made to Abraham that were all about the Lord Jesus. The God of the Bible is an amazing God. And he's entered into covenant with us by putting his son to death in our place just stop and think do you love your family do you love your your children can you ever conceive of taking one of your children and sacrificing them for somebody else i can't It boggles my mind. But that's what God did. Because he loved us. Undeserving. Fallen. Wretches. Like me. Like you. Josiah is overwhelmed. With the mercy of God. And he enters into covenant he renewed it he already loved Jesus and so if you're here today what do you need to do if you're not a Christian you need to run to Jesus and embrace him and say Lord Jesus I need you to take my sin upon yourself so that I can be forgiven and go free and if you are a Christian what do you need to do you need to do what king josiah did he renewed the covenant he said god you you are a holy 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 god and here i am and all my forefathers we have made a mess of things and left to myself i don't have a leg to stand on Oh, Lord Jesus, how I love and adore you and embrace you afresh. I'm going to hold on to you like never before. You're mine and I'm yours forever and ever. That's what God wants us to do. That's what he wants us to learn from Second Chronicles chapter 34. Amen. Father, we ask that you would write upon our hearts your word and that you would give us great joy if there are any in this place who have never trusted in you. O oh Lord God, open their eyes and their heart to see that they are fallen in Adam. They are breakers of the covenant of works. They're creatures that you made in your image and, and, and we have all broken your holy commandments. And we deserve death and hell. Oh, Lord, give us hearts this day that repent and turn from our sin to you, Lord Jesus, and that we would embrace you. We would believe in you and experience being in covenant with you, the covenant of grace. Lord God, if there are... Those of us who have known you for many, many years, Lord, don't let our hearts grow cold and distant to you. Oh, Lord, like King Josiah, it's time for us to renew our commitment to love and follow you. And so give us great joy to do that. As we sing, as we come to your table, from the heart, Lord, trusting in you afresh. In Jesus we pray, amen.